Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You've heard that our ancestors were told, no killing, and every murderer will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with sister or brother is subject to judgment. Anyone who says to sister or brother, I spit in your face, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. And anyone who vilifies them with name-calling will be subject to the fires of Gehenna. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your sister or brother has a grudge against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go to be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Lose no time in settling with your opponents. Do so while still on the way to the courthouse with them. Otherwise, your opponents may hand you over to the judge and the judge hand you over to the bailiff who will throw you in prison. I warn you, you won't get out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard the commandment, no committing adultery. But I tell you that those who look lustfully at others have already committed adultery with them in their hearts. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It's better to lose part of your body than to have it all cast into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose part of your body than to have it all cast into Gehenna. It was also said, whenever a couple divorces, each partner must get a decree of divorce. But I tell you that everyone who divorces except because of adultery forces the spouse to commit adultery. Those who marry the divorced also commit adultery. Again, you have heard that our ancestors were told, don't break your vow, fulfill all oaths made to our God. But I tell you not to swear oaths at all. Don't swear by heaven, for it is God's throne. Don't swear by earth, for it is God's footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great ruler. Don't swear by your own head, for you can't make a single hair white or black. Say yes when you mean yes, and no when you mean no. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. Here ends the reading. May God add understanding to the hearing of the word. This is one of those Bible passages that is chock full of minefields. Um, There is so much that I could say this morning that could go horribly wrong. And so I'm going to start with some disclaimers and, and an apology. And... The apology is to people in this room who, whose bodies don't conform to some ideal of perfection. Um, because this is a painful passage to hear. It, it treats the human body as if somehow it's ancillary to our faith or somehow the hurts and pain that we feel don't matter. And I want to say that I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus intended to convey by saying the words that Jesus said. So I'll get that out of the way. The second thing I 
I want to say is that um, this passage is about grace and about community more than it is about rules and following some kind of recipe for purity. Um, if, if this were to be taken literally as Jesus puts it forth in, uh, in the gospel, then we'd have, we'd have a lot more people um, who would be visibly uh, missing things, right? Um, and not that there's anything that we can do about that, but, you know, this is not what Jesus meant. So I think that what's happening in this passage is that Jesus is playing shock jock for his time. Um, I used to love listening to George Carlin and Eddie Murphy. Anybody remember those? When, when they were doing stand-up comedy, before, before Eddie Murphy became a hot Hollywood uh, movie icon. Because they said things nobody else would say. They said things that you couldn't broadcast. They, they were frequently bleeped and buzzed out of audi- audibility because of what they said. Uh, and, and every once in a while, you find somebody who has the courage to speak the truth in ways that are jarring and, and a little offensive and maybe we don't like to hear. And I think that's what Jesus was laying out for his listeners on this occasion. Because he says things nobody wanted to hear. He talks about things that, that hit people where they live. And the people who really didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say were those who thought they were following all the rules and whose lives didn't need to be improved or at all changed. The people who could look at folks who maybe had a physical uh, abnormality and say, oh, that's God's punishment in your life. Or, Or who could look at folks who had committed adultery and say, oh, um, you know, God's not happy with you. Or they could look at people whose lives were different in some other way and say, you need to change, you need to toe the line, uh, you need to be more like us, who are perfect. Or should that be we? More like, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, so part of what we have to do is approach this passage with an understanding that, that part of what Jesus is trying to do is restore community. Part of what Jesus is trying to do is to make people aware of the pain they cause when they assert certain things about faith and religion and God. And one of the things we have to keep in mind is that physical perfection had spiritual ramifications in those days. If you brought a sacrifice to the altar, you couldn't bring an animal that was lame or that was somehow defective in some way, it had to be perfect. It had to be whole. It had to be, uh, it had to be something that had full value in terms of the market of animals. And if you brought something that was sick or uh, gimped up somehow or was going to die anyway, what kind of sacrifice is that, right? It had to be something that was a real sacrifice. The problem became that Then we started applying the same principle to human beings. And they started making rules about who could come to the temple. And there were all kinds of physical defects that that made you persona non grata in the temple. And then they began to extrapolate from that, well, 
That must mean God's not happy with you. That must mean that somehow God likes this clump of people and God like, does not like this clump of people. And it began to be a point of exclusion, a way of saying, you don't really belong here. You don't really fit. So just leave. It was a way for Jesus to say, you know, if you're going to look for flaws, you're going to find them. You're going to find them. Now, Jesus' strategy was a little different. What he did was, he said, if there is, if there is some sin in your life, and I think he was pretty confident that there probably was, um, when the woman was uh, about to be stoned for adultery, uh, remember what he said? Let, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. Do you think he thought somebody would throw a stone? I don't think so. I think he thought just about everybody would say, oops, I, I guess I can't. Jesus said to them, if there is something that is causing you to sin, eliminate it. And he was brutal, right, in his depiction of that. Pluck out your eye, cut off your hand. Make your body defective. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than to be whole and be thrown into Gehenna. And if you read the little footnote I made about today's scripture passage, that didn't necessarily mean hell. It meant a place of exclusion. It meant a place of rejection. It meant the, the garbage heap where the fires constantly burned. To be rejected in that time and in that culture was the worst possible thing. Remember in the Hebrew Scriptures how many times it says, he shall be cut off from his people. That was the worst thing. Because being in the community was what mattered. Being a part of God's people was what mattered. And Jesus is trying to say, you know, the point is to not sin. He's not letting us off the hook. He's not saying sin is just fine with me. What he is saying is set the bar high for yourself. Remember that when you look at somebody and objectify them, thinking about only how they can bring you pleasure, you have committed a sin. When you treat your closest relationships callously and try to buy your way out of them, you are committing a sin. When you go to the altar to make your sacrifice and make yourself right with God but haven't bothered to make yourself right with the people in your life, you are committing a sin. Now the goal here, this is, <laughs> this is, see, this is, this is, this is where faith becomes something that doesn't work very well logically, right? There, there are many parts of our faith journey that just don't have much logic to them, and this is one of them, because the goal is to rid your life of sin, but the message seems to be nobody's without sin, right? But it's something we can work toward. 
And we are never going to have a just society. We are never going to have a close-knit community. And we are never going to have peace in our world unless we begin to pay more attention to the relationships that are interwoven and make the fabric of our society. As long as we tolerate the division and as long as we don't care whether we know our neighbors or not, things are not going to get better. And it takes work and it takes sacrifice and it takes bending a little and it takes tolerance. And we can't do that if we, if we make a list and try to check things off. If we're only concerned about our own well-being and welfare. If we're so focused on making our own lives better that we forget about the people around us. And that's where this gets, that's where this gets confusing because it seems to me that Jesus is saying, you know, you've got you to gotta really zero in on your own life and you've got to make your life as best as you can. But at the same time, you have to also be worried about the people around you and what's going on in their lives. Now, granted, Jesus is talking to a specific audience. I think he's, I think he's targeting, if I can use that word without a violent uh, connotation. He's really aiming for the people who have forgotten the community. And he's chastising them for believing that because they're better than others in their own estimation, they don't have to work at this. I hate to get political, but I'm going to use a, a political campaign as an example here. Jimmy Carter, <laughs> when he was running for president, uh, was, was giving an interview. And being a good Southern Baptist, you know, his life was pretty squeaky clean. Um, and, and so there really wasn't much mudslinging or dirt digging as part of his campaign. There just wasn't anything that people could throw at him. But he volunteered in this interview, he volunteered a flaw, a gap in his life. Do you remember what that was? Lust. He had lusted after others. And people made a big deal of it, right? It, it, I mean, it was in the news for a long time. Jimmy Carter admits to lust. And And I remember, as an adolescent, thinking, <laughs> uh, join the club, right? I... But it occurred to me that that was a very healthy thing for him to do. Because it was an indicator to me and to everybody that he had set the bar high. And he had recognized that that is no way to treat human beings. Did he promise never to do it again? Uh, not that I recall. But what he did admit was that he was not perfect. And I think that is a dangerous path. That the, the, 
The idea that somehow we are better than the people around us or that we have come closer to perfection than some other people is a, is a spiritually dangerous path to be on. And the Apostle Paul recognized this when he talked about the law and said, you know, nobody is ever going to completely obey the law. It can't be done. So don't worry about that. But you do have to worry about sin. Now, this is Yeah, it still gets, it's still confusing. You do have to worry about the times and places where in your faith walk you miss the mark. And that's the key. When do we miss the mark? And how do we avoid that from happening again? At the same time, trusting in God's grace to get us where we need to be. This passage is almost like going to one of those gory movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing. I mean, we don't expect to encounter this kind of stuff when we go to God's Word. When we, when we want to be when we want to be enlightened and uplifted by going to the Scriptures. But let's remember, this is not about, this is not about harming ourselves. This is not about being so obsessed with perfection that we forget that we're human beings. And I think that's one of the reasons God loves us so much is that we are human beings. We are what God made us. I think God revels in our quirkiness and our, our ability to deceive ourselves and our ability to love each other. And the, the difficulties that arise in this passage, I think, are because Jesus was trying desperately to influence people to love each other, to love each other, to not be so obsessed with perfection that we forget to love each other. So, whatever we face in life, whatever challenges and hurdles are part of our our walk, whatever weaknesses are part of our being and our journey, let us embrace them. Not, not, because, not because they are good, but because they remind us of who we are and lead us to look at other people differently with a little more forgiveness and a little more grace and a little more understanding that all of us are going down this path together. And sometimes, sometimes it works better if we help each other along the way instead of pointing fingers and blaming. So let's go ahead and set the bar high, but let's also recognize we're going to knock it down a lot. When I was in high school, my brother did the high jump. And he was pretty good at it. He had a, he had a distinct advantage. He was six foot seven.
so he could just, you know, the first couple times the bar was set, he could just step over it and go on to the next thing. But the challenge that he always put before himself was to go higher. And even after all the other high jumpers had been eliminated, he would continue. And each time he cleared the height, they would set the bar a little higher. I love that image. It's not a one-time thing. You don't just set the bar at the very top notch because nobody's going to clear it, right? Nobody's going to make it. But you start low and you set it higher as you go. And let's use that image for our faith walk so that we keep setting the bar higher as we walk this walk. Amen.